Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 168, and we're discussing cursed moments in anime. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. I'm kind of nervous to talk about this topic because I had a, not like a hard time, but it was a bit rough putting together my notes and having to recall all of these moments that I'd rather forget. For me, it was the opposite because I feel like it was hard for me to remember some of the cursed moments that stuck out to me because they weren't like watershed moments, right? They weren't like big revelations or key points in whatever plot. But as soon as I remembered, now they kind of live rent free in my head for the wrong reasons. I thought you were going to say it was the opposite for me because I really enjoyed remembering all of these. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was like, wait, why are no, you going with this? Like, I, It took me maybe an hour or so to recall some of the cursed moments, again, that felt significant to me. But yeah, as soon as I did, I, I, I kind of regretted it. <laughs> well, let's talk about something fun. Let's do a little bit of a, um, I was going to say a palate cleanser, but that doesn't really make sense because we haven't talked about anything yet. But let's talk about something fun before we go into all start, of the cursed stuff. Start with the highs before we get into the lows. There you go. One of those things I think we could talk about is another Japanese concert that we went to here in Chicago. I'll, I'll leave it to, to you to share the exciting news. Yeah, and I think for good reason, because the concert that we went to that featured a Japanese music group featured none other than my favorite Japanese music group of all time, which is, everyone say it with me. Atarashigako. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think they had announced their tour. They're doing a U.S. tour and um, some other parts of Asia, I think, as well. Um, they announced their tour called the Seishun Tour back in August. And I had haphazardly found out about this tour before their official, official announcement because I went on social media and Facebook specifically and some random bar, I think, in... Minnesota had posted that Atarashigako was going to be performing there like as a Facebook event. And then that got me thinking, oh, are they just going to go to different cities across the U.S.? And a couple hours after I saw that Facebook event, they made the official announcement and I was ecstatic because they announced a stop here in Chicago. So that bar spoiled it for everybody then. I wonder if they weren't supposed to say anything yet and then they accidentally said it before they officially announced the tour. Yeah, I think they had just prematurely put up the Facebook event. Oops. And yeah, rumors started swirling until uh, the group's official social media made the announcement. So I hopped on the ticket site as ASAP as possible, <laughs> found out they were offering a VIP package. So I upgraded to that. And yeah, the show was a couple weeks ago, but it's still pretty fresh in my head. And this is the second time that we've watched the group perform. The first time was last year at Crunchyroll Expo, but it was just more meaningful to see them perform in our hometown and in a really small venue. So it felt like we were up close and personal with them. Um, but even watching them the second time around, I was blown away because they bring such a chaotic but nuanced energy to their performances. And I think they only had like one or two breaks throughout the whole show. They didn't have an opening act. It was just them performing for about an hour. But it was 
it was insane. Like they gave 110% and I just had such a blast watching them. No offense to opening acts, but I loved that they didn't have an opening act. I was like, great, we could just see the artists that we really want to see right away. That was that was really nice. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's so that they could allow some time for the VIP meet and greet beforehand, which was kind of funny because there was a separate line for general admission and for VIP. And so we lined up outside the venue for VIP. You get a commemorative badge, VIP badge that's signed by one of the members. Uh, so I had to can do a kind of a bit of trading along the line to get the member that I wanted an autograph from most, uh, which is Kanon. Um, that was an interesting experience. But yeah, once we were able to enter the venue, there was the meet and greet with the group. And I think I told this story to our patrons, but I'm kind of notorious within the fandom of Atarashigako for screaming <laughs> out one of their songs during a concert before they officially announced the song that they were about to perform. And so my goal was to tell the group during the meet and greet, but we only had like 10, 15 seconds with them because they would the handlers would take the picture and then they would move on to the next person. So I really quickly put together a statement in half English, half, half Japanese, and I told them. It was kind of a blur. I don't really remember their reactions, but thankfully my iPhone had live photos on so I could get a snippet of them reacting to the news. And it sounds like the lead singer, Suzuka, says it was you <laughs> in Japanese. <laughs> and they're all just laughing and then they post for the picture. So that was a fun moment. Um, so maybe like now I kind of live rent free in their heads. Uh, but yeah, that was just, that was amazing. Just being part of the meet and greet. And again, just watching the entire show. I had a really good time and the meet and greet was fun. Um, I I listened to Atadashigako through Carl. So I don't know much about the members. I don't know much about their music, but you know, I'm, I'm there for moral support. <laughs> uh, so I went and did my meet and greet and I ended up doing a JoJo pose. Um, when we took our picture, I just said hi and thank you to them. And I just noticed how flawless their skin is. They look really, really great in person. <laughs> um, the music was really good. The vibes were really good. The crowd was was chill. So yeah, I had a really good time. Yeah, and I guess I can share a photo of my meet and greet with Atarashigako for those of you who are interested. Uh, we'll share that in our Discord. So if you're not already a member of our Discord, the link to that is in the description. And you know what? I also encourage you, if you haven't listened to their music or watched any of their performances, to do so. I highly recommend it. I did it three years ago, and I've never been the same since. Your life has changed. <laughs> yeah. It was just a rabbit hole of watching them have these, like... So they're not like an idol group. They consider themselves alt-idol, maybe. But yeah, they're just so different from anything that I've seen in music that it's just such a treasure seeing them perform and especially their kind of rise to fame right now because they've kind of blown up on the international scene this year. So I'm really looking forward to where they go in the future. While we're on the topic of music, everyone um, has gotten their Spotify wrapped for this year, for 2023. So we looked at ours and they were kind of interesting. I wanted to just like call out some some funny things about my wrapped in particular 
Um, yeah. I don't know if you have anything weird that came up on your raft. I mean, <laughs> lo and behold, Tadashi Gako was up there on your, your top list. Yeah. My stats aren't as, I guess, outrageous as yours. So we'll start with my Spotify raft. Uh, but my top artists, no surprise here, they're all Japanese. <laughs> uh, we have the anime composers. Hiroyuki Sawano and Kota Yamamoto at five and four. Baby Metal was at three. Official Higedandism was at two. And Go Figure at Shigako was at number one for my top artists for the year. Um, my top genres, no surprise here really. Uh, I have anime taking up a majority of it, followed by J-pop, followed by anime scores, followed by, followed by J-pop rock, followed by J-pixie. I never actually looked at this, so <laughs> I, this is news to me. But again, uh, all of this just indicates that I'm a fucking weeb when it comes to music, too. But what about your Spotify Wrapped? All right, so mine is like, <laughs> I wouldn't say unhinged, but there's some weird shit on here. I swear, I'm not as weird as this thing makes me seem. So uh, when you get to the part of your Spotify Wrapped that tells you how many genres you listen to, obviously Carl you know, had a, a bunch of them listed. Um, most people have a bunch of them listed. I have two genres the entire year, and they are J-pop and anime, with anime being the significantly larger <laughs> genre. So I was like, okay, that's weird. So then it goes to um, your top songs. And I have all J-pop, not even J-pop, but like anime-related songs. Um, and number five is Mixed Nuts by Official Higedandism, which is the OP to... Spy Family Season 1, um, White Noise is at number 4. That is also by Official Higedandism, which is the OP to Tokyo Avengers Season 2. Mm -hmm. And then number 3 is Souvenir by Bump of Chicken, which is the OP to Season 2 of Spy Family. Season 1, oh, Part 2. Yes, thank you. Um, and then at number 2, well, let me just skip number 2. I'm going to go to number 1, which is River by Anonymous, Anonymous, Anonymous. I don't, I don't know how she pronounces it. Maybe it's it. anonymous. Um, and that is the OP to Vinland Saga season two. But at number two, <laughs> at number two, I have Jolene by Dolly Parton, <laughs> 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 who has technically nothing to do with anime, except if you're a JoJo fan. Um, so the reason I have Jolene by Dolly Parton on here is one, because I do like the song. I don't like country music. It's probably one of my least favorite genres, but Jolene by Dolly Parton is a really good song. Um, but then more importantly, the reason I have it on here as number two is because I was so salty that they didn't use Jolene in part six of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, I won't say anything more than that for non-JoJo fans, but there were a lot of us that were hoping that that song would make an appearance and it didn't. So I was like, man, I'm salty. I'm just going to listen to it all the time. So it landed at number two. So it filled you filled the void on Spotify. Yeah, <laughs> your incessant listens of the song. Yeah, and then for my top artists, I'll go in reverse order. So number one was Official Higedandism. No surprise, I've fallen in love with them um, this past year. Number two is Utada Hikaru, my favorite singer of all time. Number three was Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. They're but most known for um, the first ED to Hunter Hunter, mm -hmm. and then the OP for Parasite the Maxim. I just don't know why they ended up on number three. It might be because I never skip um, those the... two songs. Yeah, I, I do like those two songs. And those are also the only two songs of theirs that I've ever listened to. Similarly, at number four is Anonymous. Um, 
apparently I was in the top fans for Anonymous, uh, and I got like the little <laughs> video greeting that like the artist gives you if you're one of the top fans. And then our friends were asking me, or our one friend from Confan was asking me like, oh, does she have like really good music or whatever? And I'm like, I guess so, but I've never listened to literally anything except for River, <laughs> that OP for Villain Saga season two. That is the only song of hers I've ever listened to. And yet I listened to it so many times. I ended up in the top fans so i don't know anything about her but that song slaps i mean you're helping build her fan base so that's a good thing i guess so i was hoping you would get dolly parton as your artist video special thing i should have because at number five is dolly parton i don't understand people i shared this with other people and they were looking at this and they're like why the fuck is dolly parton on your top artist list but that's that's it it's just because of jolene okay i was salty as fuck so i just kept listening to jolene by dolly parton and aside here of course i got a special video from Gako because they were my top artists of the year but yeah i would have Love to see if, again, if Dolly Parton had made a video and you bared witness to that. That would have been so great. I would have been like, that just completes this Dolly Parton saga of 2023. But all in all, I think my biggest takeaway from my Spotify wrapped is that I should probably diversify my music enjoyment <laughs> for 2024 so that my Spotify wrapped doesn't look as egregious uh, for next year. But if anyone has any interesting uh, stats, I guess, from their Spotify wrapped, jump onto our Discord and let us know because we had a lot of our Discord members sharing their wrapped. And actually, on that note, some of our Discord members also shared their Spotify podcast wrapped stats, and a lot of them seemed like they had Strictly Anime at the top spot, which I always find surprising. Like, I don't know why people like to listen to us so much, <laughs> but I, I'm grateful for it, and I appreciate it. So thank you to all of you out there who've been sharing the stats and sharing their kind words about listening to our podcast. It does mean a lot. It does. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. It was so much fun to see all of uh, all of your stats and see our podcast in your top fives. And even if it wasn't in your top fives, just knowing that you listened to us this year meant so, so much to us. And I guess to close out this topic, we should mention maybe some fun stats about Strictly Anime because for those who aren't familiar or who aren't aware, podcasters also get a Spotify wrapped for their podcasts in particular. So let me pull up really quick our stats for Strictly Anime. So we saw a ton of growth for Strictly Anime this year. So thank you to all of you guys. We really, really appreciate it. Um, at, at a glance uh, for Spotify, we grew by 171%. We grew our listeners by 171%. Sheesh. We grew our streams by 183%. And we grew our followers by 200%. So thank you guys for your support. Welcome to all the new people who joined us in 2023. We hope you've been enjoying the podcast and we hope that you'll stick around uh, for quite a while. And then our top episode of the year, which I'm surprised but also not surprised given the hype around it, was none other than episode 120, Chainsaw Man. Happy day, man. Scooch day. Happy day. Yes, Chainsaw Man was our biggest episode of the year. I think that's the episode that brought in a lot of new listeners, and it was one of the biggest anime of the year. Although one of the anime of... It was technically last year's anime, <laughs> but I know Spotify rap data starts like at the end of the previous year. Um, so, well, yeah. no, that, that episode came out beginning of january oh fuck you're right so i keep thinking yeah you're right because i keep thinking about 
the fact that Chainsaw Man wrapped up in December 2022, but then we mm-hmm. had our end of the year episodes, um, our annual episodes that pushed the Chainsaw Man review out till January. You are, you're right. So there you go. Chainsaw Man. Big hype anime and big listen podcast episode. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking like a caveman. <laughs> All right, we've had our feel-good moments. We've had some fun. But now it is time to talk about cursed moments in anime. I don't know why we're doing this topic now. As we were putting our notes together. End of the year, yeah, let's talk about some of the most (laughs) cursed things we've seen in the genre. Let's ruin the year. Let's close it out on a weird note. I'm just kidding. We've got several more episodes uh, to look forward to. But this one is going to be an interesting topic. Because, yeah, we're talking about cursed moments. And... Carl and I actually had a bit of a discussion on like what cursed really means because I think we each have a different way to define it. So the way I defined cursed moments are moments that are fucked up, that are messed up, they're they're gross, they're disturbing. They're those can't unsee moments, moments that make you stop and think, what the fuck did I just watch? Not all of them have to be like gory or anything like that, but they could just be weird, like inexplicable moments that you kind of wish you didn't experience or ones that stick with you even though you don't want to remember them yeah i just picked moments that really crawled under my skin is that the term yeah got under your skin yeah either one yeah so yeah it encompassed a lot of different things and of course some of these moments may be really spoiler heavy so we'll make sure to to give you some time to skip over any anime we discuss. Yeah, honestly, probably all, at least all of mine are going to have spoilers. So just be warned when you hear the name of an anime. Yeah, so like I said, we'll give you enough fair warning so that you can skip ahead. Um, But yeah, I guess we can just jump into our list. I'm sure you have a lot. I do. Uh, (laughs) I think I have more than you. Do you want me to start? Yeah, I have a total of nine. Although we may have at least one crossover, but... Ooh, okay. Well, I'll start with one that's um, no fun, How but... How many do you have? I have like, I don't know, like somewhere between 12 to 14. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll start with one that's more on the mild side of Cursed, and it comes from none other than JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, specifically part one. There's a lot of weird moments in JoJo, but they're weird in the sense that they fit the show and it's not that this moment doesn't fit the show or the character it's around it's just something that like doesn't sit right with me but it makes sense for the character and the moment I'm talking about is when Dio is in his chambers he's kidnapped a woman and her baby and she's Mm. begging him not to kill her baby she's like do whatever but please leave my baby alone let my baby live please don't kill my baby And so he's like, okay, I won't. And he turns her into a vampire. Mm -hmm. And then she ends up eating her own baby. And his response to that is, well, you said you didn't want me to kill your baby. And I'm like, bro, (laughs) Dio, come on. It's like a a twisted dad joke. It's, yeah, it, it was rough. I mean, there's nothing overly gory about it. And it, you know, it, it comes and goes in a moment, but just the idea of it is really messed up. I mean, it kind of solidifies Dio as, I call him like evil incarnate for twisting someone's words like that and forcing them to eat one of their own children. 
That's a, like the definition of getting someone on technicality. It's like, well, you didn't want me to kill your baby. <laughs> Although for me, the moment that solidified Dio as evil was the Danny moment from earlier <laughs> in oh, part right. one. I think that's everyone's favorite, least favorite moment from Dio. But this is just beyond heinous. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have another kind of cannibalistic cursed moment on my list and this is spoilers for attack on titan the final season which i know attack on titan is littered with cursed moments i'm thinking of one from season one i don't know if that'll be on your list but um the one that i'm referring to in the final season is when we get the backstory for emir and it's after she is impaled by that spear protecting king fritz and obviously Emir holds a very special power, the founding Titan power. And so in a bid to keep that power within his clutches, King Fritz orders Emir's daughter to eat her body. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> that was rough. Yeah, it's a gruesome detail, but considering the lore of Titans that's built up in the show and knowing how their powers are transferred to other titan shifters it makes sense but it's just i know like the manga panel depicting the scene was admitted admittedly a lot more graphic but just the idea again similar to what dio did to that mother of having to force your own well i guess this is opposite but having to force your own children to eat their mother it's i mean king fritz was obviously sadistic and power hungry by doing this but just the bigger context of it, it's just so fucked up that he would do this. And I know there's a big reveal in learning in this scene that the names of Ymir's first three daughters are the names of the walls in Paradis, uh, Maria, Rose, and Sina. But that's kind of overshadowed by what we're watching unfold. Yeah, I agree. I think no matter what they try to tell us in the, the context or around that moment, we are just so fixated on the realization of how the titan power transferring between people um actually came to be yet yeah, yeah I, I, everything else just kind of went right over my head well i also have moments from attack on titan i couldn't pick between these two so i'll talk about both of them i actually don't remember where this first one comes from but uh it's the moment in attack on titan i think maybe it's got to be either season one or two i could be wrong though um but when sasha is out by herself, I believe. Mm -hmm. She goes to a village. It's a seemingly abandoned, but she finds one Titan that's there um, and then learns that that Titan was eating, what's her face's mother? Kaya. Yeah, Kaya's mother. But that scene where we actually see it happen like sticks with me in the worst way because we've seen a lot of like intense, graphic, gruesome titan deaths or not titan deaths but human deaths by the hands of titans but this one is just so slow and eerie and quiet i just oh it makes me shudder because you've got kaya who's sitting there in her own house frozen paralyzed with fear as she's just witnessing her mother who i believe is actually paralyzed or isn't able to escape um because of, of some physical reason i think she was just screaming in pain so much that after a point she like she just didn't have enough stamina to scream. Oh, I thought Kaya's mom had like bad legs where she wasn't like physically able to escape, which is why she got pinned down by the Titan. Okay, yeah. 
that sounds about right. Well, yeah. So she's um, so Kai is watching as her mother is slowly being eaten by this titan, and I mean like slowly compared to most titan deaths or deaths by titan. It, this is like a titan just slowly munching on her legs. Her mother's clearly in pain, but she's just trying to distract the titan so that Kaya can hopefully run away and escape. And it's just messed up. It is so messed up. And then, um, yeah, it's eventually Sasha comes to rescue Kaya. There's nothing they can do to help her mom. And it's just, oh, it's awful. Because if you think about that type of death, the titan's eating her from the legs up. So she's going to be alive for quite a while. And you can't imagine like the the trauma that's placed on Kaya having to witness this at such a young age. I mean, it kind of hardens her for the harsh realities of life. And I think that's the aspect of that, uh, of this scene that makes me kind of shudder a bit is you know, having to watch a loved one being eaten alive in front of you. The other scene that um, Carl knows is like one of the worst in Attack on Titan for me, and I've shared this before on the podcast, especially during our AOT reviews, is I think this one's from season one, is when the female Titan um, is out in the field trying to find Eren. And at one point, a couple of scouts use their ODM gear to hook on to her, and she grabs them by the ODM string, whatever it is. And starts whirling one of them around, like twirling them around like a toy, just like spinning them around using her hand. And I'm like, oh my God, the G-forces on that. Like, can you imagine like his body just, just like crushed, crushing itself at the end of the rope or whatever it is. And then she takes it and she slams his body down into the ground. I mean, his body would have just been obliterated at that point. His back would have cracked after like the first spin. I don't know, he probably lost consciousness right away. Yeah, it makes you think, like, how fucked up Annie really is. I think they play up, play that up a lot throughout the series. Yeah, I, I can't help but laugh because it's just a funny moment out of context, seeing her whip this guy around like a yo-yo. But, yeah, putting, putting yourself in those shoes, I would not want to be in that situation. The next cursed moment I have comes from My Hero Academia Season 5, and it's when we see Shigaraki's backstory, and we see him inadvertently murdering his family and his pet. Oh my god, I can't. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. So, yeah, Repressed the, memory returning. Yeah, this shit's just really fucked up, man. And I don't want to dwell on this too long because there's a particular reason why I hate this scene, and it has to do with the pet and I will just leave it at that. But it's it's interesting in that it really makes a compelling tragic villain origin story because you, you learn about how Shigaraki's connected in a way to All Might and to heroes, but his abusive father's trying to repress this, and his, his quirk is manifesting, and just all of these sort of negative effects on his life leads Shigaraki to be driven to madness in an instant and like i i had i don't know why i did this i rewatched all the cursed moments that i listed for this episode but this one it was just hard to to sit through and yeah i'll just leave it at that 
Now I'm trying to decide if I want to talk about a cursed moment that's sad or one that's gross. <laughs> Maybe I'll change it up a little bit. Okay, let's talk about a gross moment. So this comes from, there's actually two moments. There's two moments in Black Butler that I feel are cursed and still stick with me. So I watched Black Butler season one. And then I was going to watch Black Butler season two. But for anybody who's familiar with Black Butler, I believe there's like two season twos technically because the traditional season two is a deviation from the manga. And then they go back and kind of not like reboot, but they make like what's essentially a soft second season two, which follows the manga. That one I ended up watching and I watched all the way through. So I'm caught up on Black Butler. But I initially was going to watch this this original season two that came out until I saw a comment that said, don't even bother. It starts off so wrong. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, now I have to know. Now I have to watch. Well, the first episode of season two, the very first scene, I believe, of the first episode of season two, you have a bedroom. And in that bedroom is a bed. And in that bed is a child who is naked. And next to that nope. child is an old dude who is also naked. Nope. Yeah, exactly. Nope. FBI nope. has entered the chat. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And I think I think it's implied that there was some sort of like intimacy going on between the two. I could be wrong. I don't know though, because again, this happens in like the first thirty seconds. It's like the opening scene of season two, and that's when I immediately dropped it. I was like, nope, done. I'm gonna watch the other version of season two and follow that path. Like this is not for me. But then the other moment in Black Butler that makes me shudder, this one's a little less like crazy, but it just came out of nowhere. Like imagine you're watching Black Butler and like it seems to be on this path where it's, you know, it's got some comedy, it's got some drama, but it seems to be on like this, this straight narrow path. Um, and then all of a sudden there's a scene where um, CL and, and Sebastian are like in this town or whatever, and they're trying to get information from a nun. And then the next scene is Sebastian <laughs> Sebastian banging the nun really loudly to the point where CL, <laughs> who's in the fuck? field, so they're in a barn, and Sebastian is banging her, and CL is in a field like far away from the barn, and I think he can still hear the noises from what's going on there, and he's basically just banging her so that she'll divulge information to him. And I was like, what is this? Where did this come from? I am absolutely disturbed because this is not at all what I would have expected out of Black Butler. Like, there are some weird scenes in Black Butler season one, but nothing of this caliber. It took me completely by surprise. Yeah, what is this Bible Black Butler? I <laughs> Basically, <laughs> at least in that scene, I was like, what the fuck? Now I'm intrigued to watch just to get to this scene. And Are you sure about that? <laughs> just to really see how cursed it is. It was cursed to me in the moment. Just promise me you won't watch that first episode of season two. Well, I'd have to watch in chronological order out of obligation. But yeah, I mean, I'll probably watch it further down the road. You're going to watch the first episode of season two? I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, like, I guess talking about these cursed moments does make it interesting for shows that I haven't watched. And I haven't watched Black Butler, but maybe I'll regret that. Well, that's fair because, <laughs> I mean, I saw the post. Someone tried to warn me, me as the anonymous like you know reader of their post saying, don't watch season two. And yet I watched it anyway. So there is a morbid curiosity that comes with these cursed moments. So who knows? Maybe some of the listeners who haven't experienced these scenes will want to go and look them up themselves. 
Well, I'm going to go back to moments of death and destruction for my next cursed moment. Actually, I'm going to bundle this with two like you did with Black Butler because these next two moments come from Code Geass. And I've said this before on the podcast. I'll say it again, and you can say it with me. Code Geass was a fucking blur, but these two moments stick out the most for me in terms of how cursed they are. The first one is when Euphemia or Yuffie turns on the Elevens. And I think we brought this up in episode 152 of Strictly Anime, where we talked about moments in anime we'll never forget. Obviously, this is a moment that I won't forget. I think what's so cursed about it is that it all kind of happens because of a fucking innocent joke that Lelouch says to Yuffie. And the second part of it is that Yuffie is obviously this shining beacon for Area 11 and the Japanese citizens and a symbol of hope and peace and innocence. And for her to just suddenly turn her back on them is such an about face. Although you, you see her like tragically trying to resist the power of Lelouch's Gios to not take a hold of her psyche. But it does, unfortunately and inevitably. And it's just made 10 times worse with the fucking slaughter fest that happens afterwards. Again, all of this just because Lelouch said something so matter-of-factly, so innocently, that it turned into this whole big mess. Yeah, I remember when we were watching this, um, and it was a rewatch for me, and I was just gearing up for this moment to, to relive this horrible scene, but also to, to see your initial reaction to it. It's really tough to watch because they are so close to... They're they're kind of already on this path toward finding peace, and this is a huge step for them. Obviously, it's not the most perfect scenario, but it is a a step in the right direction, and it's completely ruined by something that is so innocent. And what could almost be perceived as like a really sweet moment, like a, a funny, like joking moment between siblings. It's just it's heartbreaking to watch. On the flip side. Here it comes. I already know. I already know because I have it on my list too. Yeah, the other cursed moment I have from Code, v- Code Geass is whatever Nina did to that fucking table. To, it's table coon. To table coon. Poor table coon. Oh my god. So let's 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 relive this because we all have to suffer together. Um. So yes, <laughs> this this is a very unsuspecting moment, similar to what I had to experience in Black Butler, um, where scene changes and it's a dark room. And then suddenly you get a shadowed out profile of what you believe to be Nina's face. And her face is just rocking back and forth because you find out that uh, she is doing something naughty to the <laughs> corner of Table Coon while looking at a picture of Yuffie all right before. She's just very excited yeah. to read an article about Yuffie. <laughs> all right before people come into the room and then she has to play it <laughs> off. Oh my God. Well, no, it's it's Nunnally. Who comes oh, into right. the room. So thank God Nunnally is blind. <laughs> but if the if the theories are correct that blind people have better hearing, which who knows if there's any validity to that, but people people like to joke that Nunnally probably heard it all the way down the hall before she even got to the room. Oh, and I'm like, oh my God, I hate it's it like so a, much. She had daredevils sense. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine. And I question like, was this scene necessary? I don't have an answer to that. But, you know, Nina did what she had to do. It was necessary reason. to make us hate Nina more than we already did. I hate that character. So, you know, what's funny. I 
for whatever reason, started my life as Inukai-san's dog. Started watching it. And I know you didn't get far into it because you dropped it after, what, one episode? There's a scene in one of the later episodes that plays out similarly to this Nina scene. And I just... The repressed memories of watching Nina and Table-kun came back up. And I wonder if, like, that scene from Inukai-san was in homage to this. I am disturbed just hearing about that, which brings me to the next thing on my list. My <laughs> life as Inukai-san's dog. <laughs> I had to add this one because, as many of you guys know, I did pick this up when it was premiering. I got through episode one, and then I was like, I've seen, I've enough. seen enough. I'm satisfied. <laughs> like, <laughs> the D.O. moment. Like, I just, I couldn't get past it. And what happens in episode one, uh, towards the end of the episode, a little, a little bit of backstory on my life as Inukai-san's dog for anyone who's not worried about spoilers. This guy gets killed. He gets reincarnated, I guess, into a dog. They don't explain, at least where I am in the story, they haven't explained why he's reincarnated into a dog. But okay. I guess well, reincarnate implies that you've died in your previous life. I mean, something. maybe he's, he wasn't reincarnated, but I don't know how he would have gotten to be a dog. But anyway, mm-hmm. he becomes a dog. He But this dog ends up becoming the pet for his high school crush, Inukai. And so he gets to live with his high school crush as her pet. But it turns out she may be a little bit into bestiality or maybe a lot of into bestiality because in the first episode, she takes a bath with the dog and then um, seems pretty innocent, I guess, even though why would you bathe with a dog? Because it might not be the most cleanly thing ever. And because then, it was raining. And okay. I don't know if she thought a hot bath would help help it. I mean, it's cute either <laughs> way. Like it's It's innocent up until the moment where she grabs the dog and then proceeds to tongue its nose very sensually and i was like nope that's when i once the episode ended i'm like okay great i closed my laptop and then i went and cried (laughs) it's like (laughs) no 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 and so i was curious to know like how how absurd my life as inukai-san's dog actually gets so i was looking at some of the forums on mal and some of the discussions on reddit and while they didn't really say what happens a lot of people just said like this is just scratching the surface of how weird and cursed Inukai-san's dog ends up getting. So I was like, yeah, I've, I've, I'm good. I'm not going to watch any more of it. I can confirm that. Oh my God. <laughs> I think I'm like six episodes in. And yeah, the dog gets involved in a lot of things where he has to act out in what is perceived as a sexual way. And I don't know who this anime is supposed to appeal to, but yeah. <laughs> People who like bestiality? I don't know. <laughs> uh, question, did you watch the uncensored version? I did, um, yeah. Okay. Unfortunately. Yeah, that. I mean, that doesn't really make it any better. <laughs> so. Next on my list for cursed moment in anime, this is in regards to Platinum End, and it's specifically the ending Oh my god, that so, fucking ending, I swear to god. <laughs> yeah, although thinking about it more, I think I mentioned this in our Guilty Pleasures episode, it's a provocative ending if you can get over what happens, but obviously heavy spoilers here since it's the finale. The spoiler alert is everyone fucking dies, <laughs> or at least they vanish into thin air because the entirety of Platinum End is about the angels trying to find a new candidate to become God. And the role or the title falls into the hands of this 
young suicidal boy named Shuji. Um, he becomes a new god, but then comes to this sort of realization that it seems that humans are fine on their own, so they don't need a god. And so he decides to end Hero, and that causes humanity to be entirely wiped out the face of the earth. So it's a very unsettling ending, especially for how perfectly the ending seemed to work out for its main cast of characters. Uh, Mirai and Saki, who are the main love interests, end up together and having this wonderful life together. And the professor, Yoneda, who's skeptical of like a, a deity and the existence of a higher being, still has a content life after all of all said and done. But I know a lot of people thought this ending fucking sucked because it was almost like a cop-out for the author to... They said like the author just did this so that they could work on another manga. Um, but like I said, it's thought-provoking after you process it with how it kind of addresses this link between God or the existence of a higher power or maybe lack thereof and with humanity. But on the surface level, it's a, just really fucked up thing to watch yeah it's i don't know a part of me was just so annoyed because i felt like the creator was phoning it in at the end um it, <laughs> i feel like it could have been profound more profound if the rest of the anime was better but it just felt like things started because it started off really strong and it just felt like the, the anime solely was going down the toilet so that's what made the end feel like it was just phoning it in Versus mm -hmm. like a really well thought out ending that completes the story. <laughs> so I don't know. But yeah, I mean, definitely cursed. Just makes you think if you, if you think a little bit more. But thinking, <laughs> thinking is cursed in this situation. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the sad side of things um, with my next couple. Uh, so I'm going to go with an anime that you and I adore, that we have talked about a lot, that we encourage people to watch all the time. And that is Kotaro Lives Alone. Oh. Here we go. Time to be sad. So Kotaro Lives Alone. And we've, we've said that we try not to spoil anything about it because you have to go into it blind. I'll talk a little bit more about the anime just because we've, we've promoted it enough at this point. If you haven't seen it, then definitely do it. But um, if not, I guess get ready for some spoilers. Kotaro is essentially a story that on the surface seems to be like lighthearted and about like a funny kid or a kid who who's trying to figure out just daily tasks and whatnot and trying to to be self-sufficient but there's more to it when you dive deeper into it um, around why Kotaro lives alone and part of that is just neglect so there's a, a scene in Kotaro lives alone where he is um, giving tissues, I believe, to his neighbors. Aww. And they're figuring like, oh, it's just like a fun little gift from our neighbor kid or whatever. But it turns out like he finds it to be a source of comfort. And so he thinks that's a good way for others to have comfort. And the reason he finds it to be a source of comfort is because when he was very, very hungry, he would resort to eating tissues as mm. the only nutrients, the only sustenance he could find. So in another scene, I think after that, he's in the grocery store with his um, his neighbor and he's looking at tissues and kind of considering 
the nutritional value of tissues or like how good the tissues are and the neighbor's like you don't have to worry about that stuff anymore like it's okay you're all right now and like it's very Kotaro is just he, to him it just it, that's life like he just didn't, doesn't think anything negative about it but you as the viewer know what that means for him and his upbringing and it just hurts so bad there's a lot of tough moments in Kotaro but the tissue scene still sticks with me see I was contemplating whether or not to include this on my list. I think I didn't because it was just too real for me. Too real? Did you like, eat tissues? No. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kotro, it's it's an anime, but it touches upon real life issues more so than any of the other anime that we've listed so far. Uh, so it was just, I guess for me, it was more too real of a moment than too cursed of a moment. Uh, I do appreciate how Kotaro manages to bring up these very difficult topics in such a, a, a very warm way, one that it it doesn't make you feel terrible, but still like knowing about this this the reason behind why he's giving out these tissues, like it, it I don't know, it it makes you well up a bit. I don't know if this will make anyone well up a bit, but my next curse moment in anime comes from Chainsaw Man. And it's the scene where the gun devil obliterates Aki's home and his family. Remember Ooh, this scene? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that, that, that got me. <laughs> and so I, I rewatched this on YouTube and it was kind of funny because a lot of the comments said, out of context, this is kind of hilarious. <laughs> because to, to replay the scene, it's a flashback to Aki's childhood. I think he's saying goodbye to one of his siblings or whatever. And the sibling goes into their house and there's happy-go-lucky music playing. And all of a sudden this gush of wind comes in, blows the house away. And you find out it's, it's because of the, the gun devil. I Just the fact that everything that you love and care for is wiped out in an instant. That's what's fucking insane to me. And that's what gets, sense shivers down my spine because you aki here or if you put yourself in your his shoes you don't even have time to process what just happened let alone allow yourself the room to properly grieve and so that's what's so fucked up about this scene i agree however i have another curse scene from chainsaw man that's cursed on the total opposite end does it involve power no. Oh. <laughs> it involves Himeno. It's the it's the scene where oh. um, the group is drinking after work. It's like some celebratory get together or whatever. And Himeno's drunk and is going to make out with Denji. And as they're about to kiss, she vomits directly into his mouth. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? I was like, why? Why is this happening? And like they show you everything unfold in the anime. And like he's just like slopping the vomit around. And but I'm it's like, kind of censored, though, isn't it? It is kind of censored, but you very much know what's going on. And so you just watch him, like, consume this vomit <laughs> with his first kiss or potential first kiss. And I'm like, oh, man, that's cursed. That is just so, so rough. I mean, it sets the bar pretty low for Denji. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> anticipate better kisses down the road. Um, I, I think I saw TikTok or, like, a real of this happening in real life no what there was like a it was at a bar like these i don't know if they were a couple or just like these two people hooking up at a bar and one of them 
like as they're making out, like it ends up puking in the other person's mouth. Oh my god! <laughs> if I find it, I'll send it to you. I you know so you can I'm... see the uncensored version of this phenomenon in all its glory here's where morbid curiosity is kicking in because initially i was gonna say no don't send that to me i don't want to watch it but then part of me is like i kind of want to see it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know we'll see send it to me and i'll decide next cursed moment for me this one actually goes way back because i remember watching this as a young lad and then it haunting me for many nights afterwards it's from the animatrix anthology series and i don't know which short story this is from but it's there's a war breaking out between humans and machines and there's a scene where the pilot of one of the human mechas gets ripped out of the mecha by the machines or whatever the fuck they were fighting against i think it was the first time i was kind of exposed to gore in anime and it was just it was just shocking to me. I think also just the helplessness of watching this dude get ripped out because his head and torso, like they're intact, but when they're ripped out of the mecha, it leaves his limbs and his legs still in the unit. And I think I just, I felt that. You felt <laughs> and that. And it shook me to my core, again, as a young nubile boy. Um, and hearing the helplessness of the pilot screaming out, in this situation like the blood curdling screams is what stuck with me and yeah i had nightmares from this and rewatching it now it's like i can manage it but i still can't help but wince a bit i don't have animatrix on my list but there is a moment this is reminding me of it um that i also had horrible feelings around it's definitely cursed i don't really remember this um short and i don't want to look it up so i could be butchering this but wasn't there one um about like a guy running like a track star and he's running but then he runs so hard his like thighs explode or something yes i remember that oh my god i can't that 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 broke me i was also very young and i was like what the fuck am i watching right now Ugh, it makes me shiver but it was like his leg was made out of mechanical parts wasn't it i have no recollection of like the finer okay. details i just can see in my mind his thighs exploding and that was too much for me because yeah, i don't remember having a visceral reaction to watching that because i think it's finding out oh it's just it's just metal parts that's fine <laughs> uh compare that to a literal human who gets separated from his arms and legs and yeah it almost made me wet the bed all right, so looking at my list, um, I'm going to go with my, I think this is my last sad one. So we'll go with that. Let's get those out of the way, and then we'll go to some really weird shit. So the next one I have comes from Vinland Saga Season 2. And this one um, like hurts even more. I, okay, it might be really cursed to me because the time at the time we were watching Vinland Saga Season 2, um, we had just become new parents um so i don't know maybe it's it's less cursed when i go back and rewatch it if i ever rewatch it but it's the scene where kettle comes home and he's pissed because he heard about how arnade about how arnade was trying to escape oh this from the farm Mm -hmm. and before she can even explain herself he goes up to her and starts beating the living shit out of her and it is brutal i mean it, it needs to be brutal right like it's vinland saga it's a story 
that's basically a commentary on violence. Um, but he starts beating her up, like beating her to a pulp. It is rough. Someone has to stop him from going too far. But the worst part of it is because he beat her up before she could even say anything, um, he inadvertently ends up killing her, his and her unborn child. And that was like, that is, yeah, that was, that was a lot to process. Um, And I think it's because, yes, she was trying to escape. um, Yes, she was breaking the rules. But there's a larger context there as to why she was trying to escape. And I don't think that she was deserving of a beating because even up to that point, she was very loyal to Kettle. So it just, it hurts all around. And that was also not in his nature to behave that way. It was just the perfect storm of horrible things happening and boiling up to this point. So yeah, that was really rough to watch. Fucking curse in my mind. And if I ever rewatch Villain Saga season two, I might skip that scene. I mean, it's it's morbid, but it's, it's a brilliant way to highlight just how wrong the the science the society and the culture that was prevalent in the age of vikings like to be so centered around violence it really hits home like how wrong it is and i I think it's probably the worst example of how violence can send people down terrible paths especially when it comes to killing an unborn child but yeah I think it's supposed to resonate with the viewer for a reason. On the flip side, I have a cursed moment from one of my all-time not-favorite dumpster fire anime, Marmalade Boy. And this is maybe like a taboo subject. I don't know if it still is. Maybe it still comes up in anime. But this is the only occurrence I've seen so far. It's when it's revealed that there is a student-teacher relationship between a character named Mako and her teacher, Namura-sensei, in the school library. I forget who stumbles upon this and sees this moment where they're like sharing a kiss in the library. It's a very innocent moment, but you know it, it plays it up to be like this teenage drama scene. And Marmalade Boy was chock full of cursed moments but i think this one just took the damn cake because like i said i think it's a very taboo thing to have a relationship between someone who is underage and someone who's much older and the show tries to navigate this as best as it can but again when my young naive mind watched the show back in fifth grade i simply could not fathom the absolute travesty of a forbidden romance that unfolded before my eyes. This has happened in other anime. Um, the only one for that I've seen that comes to mind, and it's not exactly the same, is Oh Maidens in Your Savage Season. There's sort of like a teacher-student thing going on in there, but I don't think they approach it the same way that Marmalade Boy does. Yeah, I mean, the show acknowledges that this is wrong, there are circumstances where that's solidified. But then it, something happens at the end. And I don't know if I should really spoil this, but it's a show that came out from the 90s. But what happens in the end, it almost justifies this in a way. And that's what's really fucked up to me. That is pretty cursed. <laughs> <laughs> that also makes it really difficult too, because like if you enjoy a show and it's trying to justify something as cursed as that... It just makes you rethink 
your actual enjoyment of everything. I don't know if I'm ruining ruining Marmalade Boy for you by saying that. Oh, no, that, it's, but... <laughs> it's already been ruined for me. <laughs> well, the next one that I have isn't of the sexual nature, although I have plenty of those coming up. Um, At least one more of them, those coming up. So this one comes from Spirited Away. And this is particular to my childhood because I watched Spirited Away a lot when I was growing up. And there's one scene that just like, like made me shudder as a kid and you're looking at me like i'm crazy because yes uh, it's a studio ghibli film and yeah. it's like pretty you know it's pretty good it's pretty mm-hmm. mild all around but i felt like the scene where no face tries to eat everyone was cursed because i felt so betrayed no face seemed like so innocent um, is this in the bathhouse yes okay we're like he it's engorging itself and then it starts eating everyone and it's like kind of got horror scary horror elements around it it just i felt so betrayed as a kid because i'm like i thought no face was so cute was such a you know a a kind and like soft and gentle type of creature or or god or whatever it is and then it just goes and starts eating everybody (laughs) and they're all panicking and it's just so effed up i don't know maybe it just sticks with me because i was so young when i watched it but i do not enjoy watching that scene and when we rewatched it for our review i like had to look away <laughs> but no face regurgitates everything right yes but it's the, the betrayal i think that hurts the most because <laughs> yeah. i'm like why is this even happening this, this seems so wrong yeah i feel like ghibli films like characters their moral compasses are always meant to be or certain characters their moral compasses are meant to be ambiguous but yeah i, I feel like no face was played up to be like don't judge a book by its cover and then the book actually ends up being what was on the cover. <laughs> like, yeah, I can see it again. How traumatizing that would be as a child. It's like seeing someone or seeing someone dressed up as Santa beat up a customer in the mall. It's like watching Pokemon, and then you're seeing a Snorlax, and it's just there chilling, and then all of a sudden it starts eating everybody. Like I would be so distraught yeah. after that. I just have one more cursed moment in anime. And now I feel like I have to retract my previous statement with Marmalade Boy, where I said I don't think I've seen a cursed student-teacher relationship before in anime. That was a fucking lie, because this cursed moment comes from Domestic Girlfriend, and I put all of Domestic Girlfriend. Oh, yeah, that is a student-teacher relationship. Yes. Whoa. And so sorry to our patron, Hernstrom, because I know they love the show, but... There is nothing redeemable about this dumpster fire. <laughs> Everyone makes terrible decisions. And I know it's trying to paint this picture with all these terrible decisions of like living your life and doing what's best for you. But I couldn't get any of that message over the fucking things that happened in the show. Yeah, it's hard when everyone in the show is a terrible person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it's okay. I'm I know what team I'm on and uh we may not come out on top at the end, but you know, it's it's all right. I'm there to root until until teacher student things start happening and then I'm like, "Oh god, this really is a dumpster fire." I don't even know what team I was on. I but I feel like I'm just team no one. Like everyone in this show go somewhere else, fix your life change it for the better and (laughs) stop making these terrible decisions all right well i have 
four more on my list. So let's go through these. These are all very, very odd. Um, so the next one comes from the anime Devilman Crybaby, which for anyone who's seen it is full of curse moments, full of really outrageous, gory scenes. Um, some of the most fucked up things that I've seen in anime recently. But there's one scene in particular, which I don't think is as jarring for other people as it was for me. Because again, there are some really gruesome scenes in this this anime. I just don't know why this one in particular got to me. But it's the scene where the main character, Akira, is having a dream. And the dream is of him banging this girl. Um, but what you have to understand about Akira is that his like devil powers are causing him to become stronger than he's able to control sometimes like he's his, his strength is growing right throughout his like character development um and sometimes he does things that are outside of his control and in a way that's stronger than he intends so he's having a dream or he's banging a girl and usually when that happens to a guy they have a wet dream well he has a wet dream but when he wakes up <laughs> god i hate this so much when he wakes up his ceiling is covered inches <laughs> it's covered mm. in his ejaculation because he ejaculated so i was like whispering this he ejaculates so hard that it explodes all over the ceiling and it's dripping back down and i'm like why why did this have to happen of all the things that happened in devil man crybaby that one just had me shook i was like oh my god what the fuck does that rival the cum room in stone ocean <laughs> you know it's pretty <laughs> damn close <laughs> i mean is it even physically possible for someone to have that much power behind it <laughs> yeah. i apparently in devil man crybaby it is <laughs> then we have um a moment that comes from shimoneta which carl carl hasn't seen devil man crybaby but i think you have like a general understanding of the show are you familiar mm. with shimoneta at all no i am not so shimoneta is a show about like a society where all dirty jokes are banned so there's this group of high schoolers who secretly form a group to try to put dirty jokes out there in society through like these guerrilla tactics and whatnot. And while that's all like, you know, funny and, and whatever, it's a comedy, there's um, something else going on in this show, like kind of like a, a subplot of sorts, where one of the characters named Anna is like basically a yandere and is obsessed with the main character, Okuma. So there's this one scene where Anna, Anna, whatever, is... um. She, she made some like treats or whatever for her classmates and she gives these cookies to Okuma and one of the, one of these other girls and she's like, you guys have to try my cookies. Like they're so good. And so I feel o like I know where this is going. <laughs> Okuma tries his and he's like, these are really good, but they have a very distinct taste to them. And she starts getting all flustered being the yandere that she is watching Okuma, the guy that she's obsessed with, eat the cookies that she made. And she starts explaining what the secret ingredient is in these cookies. Um, and as she's explaining them, she's getting more and more riled up. Um, she's all bricked up at this point. <laughs> and she basically reveals that one of the ingredients in her cookies are her lady juices that came forth when she thought about okuma that's fucked up that is fucked up <laughs> and of course he freaks out like there's like this slow realization on his face as she's explaining this because he's already taken a bite of them obviously he's tasted them he's eaten a piece of it and at the end he just screams because what else can you possibly do in that situation 
So I just Googled Shimonetta cookies and it links to an official clip, I think, of this scene. And the caption reads, when a cute girl offers you cookies baked with her feelings, be careful. <laughs> feelings a, is a nice way to put yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a light way to put it, but god damn. Then the next one comes from none other than Made in Abyss. Carl has seen this. Carl, get ready. I think you probably know what I'm going to talk about. It's actually two different scenes. Um, so the first one is the scene from season one. Actually, they're both from season one that I think captured a lot of people's attention that really got people because this was the first unexpected moment, the first real unexpected moment of Made in Abyss. And that scene is where Rico and Reg are running away from a creature that is attacking them. The creature had impaled Rico's arm with a spike, and those spikes have poison of some sort laced in them. Mm -hmm. So in order to escape, Reg takes Rico and ascends outside of the creature's reach. For anyone who's familiar with Made in Abyss, there's something called the Curse of the Abyss, where if you ascend too quickly or too far up, you then succumb to that curse and all sorts of horrible things start happening to your body. So your you body really become cursed. <laughs> right. Like your body starts shutting down. You start bleeding from your eyes. Um, you're, you're, you start vomiting. It's like horrible. So imagine that, but coupled with the, I think it's like some sort of poison that this creature Spike had. Oh my God, I'm like trying to like, I, I couldn't even rewatch the scene for this episode. I was like, no, I just need to try and remember what I can remember. So Rico is laying there. And she's like vomiting. She's drooling. She's she can't breathe. Her eyes are bloody. Her nose, like every orifice, she's got like blood coming out. And then it pans over to her arm. Are you looking at a picture of it? No, <laughs> I just yeah pulled up a picture of her bloodshot eyes. Yeah, and then well, if you also have a picture of her arm, isn't her arm like completely swollen, like a giant club arm? It's humongously yeah. swollen. It's all purple. And Reg ties off the end of it so that the poison can't travel to the rest of her body. But then in order to get rid of the poison, he breaks her arm and is about to sever her arm off to, to stop the poison. <laughs> so, I mean, this, this poor kid is freaking out because his friend is, like, dying from multiple sources and doesn't know what the fuck to do because Reg doesn't have any life skills. And he's, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's absolutely horrible. And, again, it kind of comes out of nowhere like they hint at these things happening they hint at the curse of the abyss they hint at the the really your face no, <laughs> yeah, pulled up a picture of the the broken arm and the, the swollen part of it it's it's horrible and like they hint at all these things but it, nothing prepares you for actually witnessing it happen and it, i just i think it's a smart writing choice for it to take all the viewers by surprise because like i said it got everyone's attention but it is cursed it is really really rough to sit through Especially when you think, or you know, like these are kids. Yeah. And you, you feel you just because of the aesthetic of Made in Abyss, you think, oh, this is a going to be a great kid show about adventure and wonder, and it's not. It feels like Black Hawk Down at this <laughs> point. And so yeah, watching this, I grimaced because obviously, just like with the guy getting ripped out of the mecca, I felt that <laughs> I got shook to my core. Thankfully, I've I've never had like a broken bone or like some sort of similar injury here but god this this felt too real even though these characters are drawn in such a cutesy visual style well let me add to the cursedness of made in abyss with the second part 
no surprise. I think everyone is uh, feels similarly about the scene. It's meaty, <laughs> and everything about meaty. Like, just the slow reveal about her backstory. I actually think one of the toughest scenes to watch alongside the one I just mentioned about Rico and her body um, is when we get the backstory for Miti and how she became the way that she is. And Nanachi, where um, mm-hmm. Bondrude sends them down that elevator and then shoots them back up so they, they have to succumb to the curse. Oh, my God. That's brutal. And then the cherry on top is, of course, when Nanachi makes the very difficult decision to end Miti and try to free her from her suffering. It is just, it is just so bad. It's so bad. Wait, it's it's Reg who blasts her to kingdom come, right? Yes, by Nanachi's <laughs> request. Okay, yeah. out, of, out of context, that's kind of funny. But yeah, following Nanachi and Miti's story, it's it's fucked up. And the last one that I have on my list, I don't think we need to explain it because actually I haven't even really watched this anime, but I thought it it was uh, fitting for this topic. The last one is all of Boku no Pico, in particular, the ice cream scene, which is the only scene that I have watched. And then similar to Inakai-san's dog, I was like, I've seen enough. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. All of Boku no Pico. People keep trying to get me to watch that and I refuse. I think we watched that episode with Confam. Like we were all together one night, and someone's like, "Hey, let's just put on Boku no Pico." Oh my just god! Just as a what joke. Were we thinking? <laughs> and then some of us actually just had the courage to go through the that first episode or whatever. And it's something that I wish I could unsee. How much of Boku no Pico have you actually seen? I think just that episode in its entirety, and then. Out of morbid curiosity, I looked up other scenes, and they weren't as bad, but still, that show is fucking cursed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cursed all around. I mean, that's why it's uh, it's memed to death in the anime community as the best thing to recommend new weebs and normies. <laughs> but yeah, Boku no Pico, had to add that one on the list, because if we're talking about cursed things in anime, that in its entirety is cursed. Well, now I need to detox. I need to um, look at cute pictures of animals, or maybe I'll just go find Rigby and give him a big hug and a kiss and try to get all of the funk out of my body after thinking about and reliving some of these cursed moments. Yeah, this episode was brought to you by the words fucked and up, (laughs) but hopefully you got some enjoyment out of our misery. But yeah, these, these cursed moments are probably better off forgotten. And, you know, my memory fails me sometimes, so these will probably be out of my head within five minutes of releasing this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll live in ignorance for a while until someone brings up these moments again, and then I have to traumatically relive them. And if any of you guys succumb to your morbid curiosity and want to look up some of the scenes that we mentioned that you haven't seen before, let us know your thoughts on them. I want to I want to hear how you react to some of these disturbing things or some of these really sad or really cringe moments. Um, Or if there are any out there that we haven't talked about, which I I know there are a lot, right? You got the Higurashis of the world, the corpse parties of the world, the elfin leads of the world. You've got the Nina Tucker of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood (laughs) moments. Like we we know that those exist. We just haven't watched those anime, although I have watched Elfin Lead. Um, We haven't watched those anime, so we didn't have enough context to talk about them. But if you guys want to share 
any cursed moments you can think of and have your fellow listeners suffer and have us you know, suffer through them, um, definitely join our Discord and share them with us over there. So we can all be cursed together. Let's do it. Let's all suffer together. But thank you guys, as always, for tuning in and listening and suffering with us. As always, subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to share your cursed moments with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries. And tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. And then our top episode of the year which I'm surprised, but also not surprised given the hype around it, was none, was none other than, was none under, oh my God, I can't talk. <laughs>